Hey, what's going on? It's Doug here. I wanted to pop in before I rolled the episode. Number one, this is an interview with Brandon, the mad scientist. And I was inspired to republish this episode. It is a republish. You might have heard it before, but it's from a while back. But the thing is, uh, Brandon has been making the rounds on a bunch of podcasts recently. He was on Bigger Pockets Money with Mindy and Scott. He was over on Choose FI. Brandon actually published an episode of his own podcast with Ramit Sethi as well. And Brandon has kind of, he's sort of shifting his focus a little bit, which has been really interesting to hear. So this interview is from, I think, very early in 2022, the one that we're going to publish here. But Brandon has been talking about being less frugal and spending a little bit more money. And it's pretty interesting. This is a topic that Carl and I have been thinking about a lot recently now that we're kind of at a point where we want to try to be a little bit more open to spend money and maybe test things out. And Brandon has been doing a lot of this and then talking about it and, you know, making it a part of the dialogue out there, which is great. So before I send it to the interview from over a year ago, I guess, there's a, a short essay that uh, I'll read out. I'm just going to put a screen shot an image over on the YouTube side, but you find people over on the podcast side, you'll just hear this read out. So a little bit of a summary of some of Brandon's appearances over the last year, year and a half or so. So let's, let's roll that. Thanks a lot for checking out the show. Be sure to check out Brandon's uh, site, his podcast, his other podcast appearances and enjoy. This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Brandon's path to financial independence began in 2011 when he discovered the early retirement movement through personal finance blogs. As a naturally frugal person who enjoyed financial planning, Brandon became enthralled with the concept of reaching fire as fast as possible. This gave him a clear purpose for money management after previously just ambiguously saving without a target. Galvanized to pursue fire, Brandon launched the Mad Fiantist blog to hold himself accountable to research and strategies that could optimize his path. He dove into tax optimization, studying mechanisms like the Roth conversion ladder to access retirement funds early. Brandon also tracked expenses rigorously, cutting spending. In the intense initial years pursuing fire, Brandon sacrificed balance, happiness, and relationships, becoming isolated and depressed in his relentless drive. He deprived himself of any non-essential pleasures or spending, viewing fire as the singular focus. After hitting his fine number, Brandon was surprised to find he didn't feel happier. This realization was pivotal. Happiness wouldn't automatically come from a net worth figure. Fulfillment encompassed far more dimensions than a spreadsheet number. This shifted Brandon's perspective on the purpose of his FIRE journey. Despite reaching FI, Brandon continued working remotely for two more years, viewing it as bonus income. During this period, Brandon and his wife Jill deliberately tried to relax their spending. They spent three months traveling the world and went out much more frequently. To Brandon's surprise, they only spent about $2,000 to $4,000 more than an entire year. 
This spending experiment provided meaningful insights. It showed Brandon that increased spending on enjoyment didn't dent their finances significantly, even with his frugal tendencies. More importantly, it increased their quality of life and daily happiness substantially. Brandon realized that obsessive frugality shouldn't come at the cost of enjoying life. In subsequent years, Brandon worked to balance frugality with spending to increase life fulfillment. He started setting yearly goals to deliberately increase spending as an experiment, allowing him to relax and be more generous. Brandon also focused more on buying quality items that improved his daily experiences. Over time, Brandon evolved from purely optimizing for money to optimizing for meaning and fulfillment. He tried to live intentionally, focusing on what added value rather than just minimizing costs. Brandon now emphasizes the critical importance of discovering what you want from life after achieving fire, cautioning against wishing away years just to optimize the path. The real benefits of fire come from the freedom to live life on your own terms. Brandon's journey highlights the need for balance, intentionality, and perspective in pursuing fire. In recent years, Brandon has indulged his creative passions outside of fire. He pushed himself to create an album, reaching number 85 on the Billboard charts and achieving a lifelong dream. Brandon has also welcomed a set, a joyous but demanding new chapter. Looking ahead, Brandon is focused on curating his content and reaching new audiences. He has ambitious creative goals around music and software development. Brandon is open about still working to balance frugality and purposeful spending in ongoing process. But his personal reflections illustrate the FIRE movement has evolved from rigid frugality to more balanced, mindful living. While the core FIRE principles remain consistent, Brandon's path highlights the human realities of the journey. His trials and turning points demonstrate the need for balance so other aspects of life don't suffer. Brandon's evolved perspective is that FIRE provides freedom to live your values, not a prescribed path or final destination. According to Brandon, the key realization is that FIRE is a tool, not the finish line. It provides freedom of choice without mandating what you should do next. The crucial takeaway is to reflect continuously and design your ideal lifestyle unburdened by money fears. Fulfillment, not frugality, should be the core driver once you escape the grind. Brandon cautions not to force preconceived notions of what retirement must entail. He uncovered a love of routine and structure that fire enabled, rather than needing total freedom. Brandon also warns against assuming life post-fire equals endless relaxation. He still seeks challenges and goals, just aligned with his own values, not financial necessity. After years intensely focused on accumulation, Brandon now advocates balancing fire with purposeful living. Don't sacrifice too much chasing milestones that may not align with your ideal life vision. Focus holistically on all aspects of the balanced, fulfilling life from the start. Stay open to new passions emerging as you grow and change as a person over time. According to Brandon, integrate fire intentionally into your whole life picture. Discover how to thoughtfully design your ideal lifestyle within the framework it provides. Pursue fire not as a vague end goal, but as a tool to maximize freedom and purpose. Welcome to the Mile High Fi Podcast. My name is Carl Jensen. I'm here with my co-host. I'm Doug Cunnington. And we have a super special guest today, one of the OGs of the financial independence movement. Tell us who you are and what you do. I'm the mad scientist and uh, I don't do much <laughs> podcasting or blogging these days, but I still do a little bit at madfientist.com. Yeah, we were wondering if you were still alive. We know <laughs> when is the last time you released any content whatsoever? <laughs> I think I, I just released a podcast episode a few months ago to celebrate uh, my new uh, British citizenship. So I had uh, pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, I had recorded an interview with Barney, the escape artist, who's a, a UK fire blogger. And uh, yeah, so I recorded that way back in 2019. And I was going to release it when I got citizenship, but... That process took a lot longer because of the pandemic. So 
I actually just re released that uh, yeah maybe maybe a month ago or something and that was the first time in a long time I'd, I'd released something so uh, yeah it has, it, it's been a while but uh, I'm, I wasn't the most prolific poster even in my heyday so uh, it just yeah when I feel like it I, I put something out but it's it's not too often so it's not quantity it's quality and since you have almost no quantity whatsoever. We expect all your shit to be super high quality <laughs> when, whenever you do come out with something. In I the, know, exactly. In 10 years from now or <laughs> whenever your next post or podcast is. Yeah. Uh, do you remember when we met Brandon? It's been almost 10 years. Oh, what was it? Was it New Orleans? Uh, it was St. Louis. St. Louis. That's right. Yeah. The, my first FinCon. Yeah. 2013. I remember meeting you actually. I remember the exact moment it was at the Opening party at the, yeah, at FinCon in St. Louis. That's crazy. That, yeah, no, I didn't, I, 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 that was so long ago, I can't remember. But yeah, the, the St. Louis was first and then was it, then was it New Orleans? Because then we were friends by then. Yeah, I have no clue. I think so. <laughs> Maybe we rented that house. Yeah, in that New weird Orleans. mansion. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, almost 10 years. I remember that. I looked it up. The date was October 17th, um, 2013. So No kidding. So yeah, yeah we're, we're nearing a decade of friendship. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, pretty cool. What have you been up to lately? Oh. Besides not producing any content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it was like, obviously with the pandemic, we were pretty locked down in Scotland. So 2020 was just all about work for me and um, sort of living a childhood dream of writing and releasing an album, which I never thought I would actually be able to do. And, uh, so that was just, we were locked inside all the time and didn't do much fun stuff, obviously, because we were, there was nothing we could do. So 2021 was like, sort of like the reaction to that. So we just did so much fun stuff, which was really lucky. And we're, we're thankful we were able to travel a little bit and I was able to see my family. So actually this year we've, this is our third trip back to the States. And, uh, I guess to make up for not seeing anybody during 2020. So we've just been really spending just a lot of quality time with family and friends and trying to see as many people as, as we can this year. And, and now we're back to, uh, go on a big ski trip for my 40th birthday so Joe was asking like how I wanted to spend my 40th and I was like, well, ideally I'll be on a mountain somewhere. And thankfully she agreed to uh, let us, let us come and do like a three week trip through the Canadian, uh, the Colorado Rockies. So here we are been before we are, we're seeing you guys and having a few beers at Weldworks and things like that. So it's been, it's been fun so far, but yeah, we'll probably head up, head up the mountain today. Man, that's a pretty epic birthday. I think for mine, I had a beer at Shoes and Brews like a mile away from here. So <laughs> you kicked my ass as far as birthday celebrations. Yeah, you got to dream big. I drove to Alaska, so mine was pretty big too. Whoa. It was like a six-week thing. Not no, to upstage you, but yeah, no, that's that, ski, that so. totally upstaged me. That's cool. Yeah, no, I'd love to go to Alaska one day. I've never been, but yeah, I love mountains. So Alaska would be is, is definitely on the list. Yeah, well... Let's start with the interview, and I have to ask the stupid obligatory question that I've probably asked you before. I think I might have asked you this when I interviewed you for your own podcast, but how did you discover financial independence? Yeah, uh, so always been really interested in money, always good with money, uh, saver. I couldn't wait to get a portfolio or to like have significant money to like invest one day and have my own portfolio and things like that. So it was 2010, 2011-ish. And I, I didn't even know what a blog was, to be honest, at this time. 
And so, so I stumbled upon getrichslowly.org and I was like, oh, I, now I get what this is. This is just some guy named JD who's writing about money. So, so yeah, it's like, like it, it taught me what a blog was, but then it also led to, you know, like probably the biggest discovery of my life. And that was when, um, JD had done a book review on early retirement extreme, uh, written by Jacob Lund Fisker. And in that book review, um, he just talked about the basics of financial independence really. And it's like, cause up until that point, I think I was, I was like most people where retirement is an age, not a, like a quantity of money in the bank. It was more like you just retire when you're 65 and that's what happens. So it was just mind blowing. <laughs> um, so then I just obviously bought the book, uh, read early retirement extreme, followed Jacob. And then that eventually he passed the torch to Mr. Money Mustache, uh, around, around that same time, I think maybe early 2012 and Mr. Money Mustache was a software developer like me. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And, uh, it was around that time that I turned 30 and I was like, I just, you know, I wanted to start creating something because my twenties were always all these great ideas that I had, but then I never did anything because I would always overanalyze them. And, um, you know, by the time that I thought about all the contingencies and all the things that I had to put in place to make it happen, which none of them needed to happen. Um, I would just talk myself out of it and think it was a stupid idea and then move on to something else. So anyway, so my thirties, um, I was like, I just need, I, I just want to start something. And I was so excited about the idea of financial independence after reading early retirement extreme for so long that I decided to start the med scientist. And I was like, at the time I thought I was going to become a better investor and come up with like investing strategies. And I figured having the need to put out content would make me take it more seriously to uh, do the research that I thought could help me reach five sooner. And uh, yeah, so that's how it all started. But yeah, it's all JD Roth, get rich slowly. And then that led to early retirement extreme. And then obviously that changed everything. And then did you have an interest in writing before that? Mm -mm. No, not at all. And it's actually a super painful process for me even to this day. Um, I'm getting slightly better where I don't like reread emails I send to people like 5,000 times. Uh, just because the uh, amount of emails that I receive is a lot more than I used to. So I'm, I've, I'm at least getting better at that. But with posts, it just, yeah, it's like pulling blood from a stone, which I, it's um, hard. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, it's tough. So yeah, nope, never was a writer. And I still feel like I, I'm more like an academic writer. Like I, I read my stuff and I'm like, oh, there's, this is just very academic sounding, but whatever. That's, uh, uh that's what I got. So yeah, it's, uh. Is it um, maybe like your technical background uh, that brings that academic feel? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and okay. yeah, I've definitely yeah writing academic papers and things in 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 school. And I went back and got a master's at the same time I was starting the math scientist actually. Um, so I'm sure that crept into it a little bit. Um, but yeah, definitely more comfortable with spreadsheets and um, software and stuff like that. Which which is what I ended up building a lot of for math scientists. So. Um, and, it, and it's actually more of a focus now. So I'd say I, I write more code for Matt Fientist than I write uh, words these days. One thing I think of is I discovered financial independence the same way as you. I think I found Mr. Money Mustache or J.D. Roth. And the thing I wonder about is what if I didn't find those people? How much longer would I have stayed at work? Because it really helps to have an example of someone 
a pioneer to do the thing first. And I, I wonder if I would have considered financial independence and stopping work early. Well, that, that, it's, it's interesting because around the same time, I was making good money at my job and I was thinking, I was like, what do, what do, what do people do? Like, I, I don't want a big house. I don't want a fancy car. I hate cars. Like, I just want it to not break down so it can get me from A to B. I, it doesn't, I don't care what it looks like. So the, it was around this time. I was like, I guess I could just, I just got to start buying like really nice guitars or like start collecting up, like having a big wall of guitars or something like that. Because I was like, I don't know what else I'm going to do with it. So yeah, it's interesting to think about like, had I not stumbled upon that, what I, I'm sure I would have still saved way more than the average person. But I guess I'd have more guitars. <laughs> yeah, well, I like where you're going because I have started collecting guitars. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Did that work out for you, by the way? Yeah, just buy guitars. Did yeah. you do that? Or? No, I didn't do that actually. No, but I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start uh, maybe. Well, no, now it's synthesizer, so I have started buying lots of synthesizers. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, maybe a, maybe a few more guitars in my future. I think. Doug, I think Brandon just kind of threw you under the table. I mean, you're not supposed to buy guitars or that's what he would have done with a suboptimal life. Just went out and <laughs> yeah. bunch of guitars, which is exactly what you've done. I don't know if, if you would give yourself advice a couple years ago, would you say buy the synthesizers and guitars? Yes, I would. So yeah, no. Right. So I think I did it wrong. I, I'm, my wife is on the, uh, she, she was coming from the spendy side of the, um, equation, I guess. And yeah. then I'm, I was obviously super frugal naturally and we're both, we've brought each other to a more healthy middle. So, so yeah, I, I, I should have bought the nicer synthesizer earlier. Um, yeah, maybe not need too many guitars, but yeah, no, I, I think I would have given myself that advice. All right. <laughs> it's interesting to think about because one thing I think about all the time is we have way more money than we ever planned. It's just worked out real well for us. And I try to think like, what the hell should I, should I do with this? We'll probably give it all away at some point, but what could I do? now to increase my happiness and there really isn't anything and I'm, I'm so thankful for that that i can't think of anything i want to buy there's like nothing i'm like shit maybe a drone they had a nice one at costco for like <laughs> 400 bucks but no it's a it's a great position to be in but i'm still trying to challenge myself so um last year like we pretty much spent the same amount of money for the last i don't know six seven years i would say um but last year i, I forced I forced us to spend what the portfolio could produce at uh, like 3.5% um, withdrawal rate. Cause that's the one that I would be comfortable with. So if I was, if we were living off the portfolio, which we're not, cause Matt fine just brings in income and Jill's still working part-time and things like that. Um, so we haven't touched the portfolio, but just as an exercise, I was like, I forced myself to spend what 3.5% of the portfolio would be. And we didn't, we didn't spend that much, even though I was really trying, but what it did was made me not care as much, which as somebody who cares about money and like always is thinking about it, it made me more generous and it made me less stressed on a day-to-day -day level. Like if, if, you know, something come up that we have to spend some money on it, like the year before that would have pissed me off and I was just stressed about it, even though the money doesn't matter that that money didn't matter that amount didn't matter um whereas when something like that happened last year since i was forcing myself to spend this much and i wasn't succeeding then when things came up i was like oh well you know that'll get us closer to spending that amount um and it, 
it didn't mean I was wasteful because I can never waste money and I never want to waste money because yeah, exactly. Hopefully give a lot of it away at the, you know, as we get older and things like that. But it was a really good exercise for me as a naturally overly frugal person to then sort of relax a little bit and, you know, plan a trip like this. So like a three week, it's not going to be cheap up in the mountains for accommodation, I'm sure. But, you know, things like that, it, it was a really helpful exercise. That's awesome. I've never heard that, but I need to tell my wife because we we battle a little bit on like what is an appropriate withdrawal rate or how much do we need to save extra beyond that. So I don't know how that would look. I think it would be hard to spend that much money. Yeah, yeah. It's it it, it, it like obviously a great predicament to be in. Obviously, or especially during a pandemic when people were struggling and right. to make ends meet. So it was yeah. Obviously, we very very lucky lucky to be able to do that but it it was a good exercise to not always it just to take the numbers out of the equation because so much of my choices are made based on the numbers and that's really not necessary anymore so just giving me that buffer to be like okay well you're gonna need to spend more this year anyway so um maybe maybe pick the meal that you really want and not the cheapest one that sounds like it'd Tastes good, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. Did you buy anything really ridiculous? Like, what's the what's memorable of that forced spending? No, yeah. So no, it was just more like went out with family. Just always be the first one with the credit card trying to pay, and or out with beers with friends. Just you know, buying the rounds and things like that. So that was that was the most like beneficial thing of that it just felt like i was able to be a lot more generous which was really nice um and this month <laughs> i'm trying to spend what what I, what the portfolio would bring in but then also what our actual income is so like a no save month for the first time in a long time um that's going to that's going to fail because i'm not even i'm not i'm not even spending what the portfolio would produce so I, but that for uh, um that forced me to try a uh we, we booked in premium economy on the way over and then I used miles to upgrade to business class on the way back. So that's the most uh, extravagant thing that this whole like uh, spending challenge has, has given us. Uh, so I'm excited for business class on the way back. So it'll be a full, fully lie flat bed to get back over to Scotland. Um, and premium economy coming over was great because obviously uh omicron's everywhere and it was nice to have more space and be a bit uh less packed in there so okay. so those are the two only things that would be considered extravagant i think the rest is just more a day-to-day -day, like just less stress and yeah maybe extra coffees or lunches which <laughs> to be honest that's an interesting thing that this whole thing has uh has made me realize like I have no self-control when it comes to food. <laughs> and the only thing that was keeping me in check was uh, my cheapness. And now that my cheapness isn't there, it's like, yeah, we'll be walking around town and it's like, okay, I'll get a croissant and then we'll, we might as well get a sandwich for lunch. And just like, yeah, so I, I need to develop more self-control because I, I love food and drinks and things like that. So it's, uh, yeah, that's the one downside <laughs> so is, is that my, my frugality is not keeping my, uh, my, my gluttony in check, I guess. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the mad scientist a little bit more. I, when people ask me questions, I think there's one of your posts specifically that I've probably emailed to people more than anything else, and that is the how to access early retirement funds early. Uh, 
very good article. We'll link to it in the show notes. But do you actually enjoy doing this research and reading IRS documents? And do you still do all this type of stuff because you're not as active now? So I did used to do it because it was all selfish. <laughs> um, I wanted to reach Phi as quickly as possible because I, I made the mistake of thinking that, you know, Phi was this magical finish line that, you know, everything that sucked about life pre-Phi was going to just magically be become amazing after Phi. Um, so I was racing there. So yeah, anything that I could do to help me get to Phi quicker, it was really easy to do that research. Um, that's why people would email me and say, can you write an article about like 529 plans or something? And I'm like, well, no, I don't have a kid. So I could give two shits about <laughs> 529 plans right now. That's not going to help me get to five quicker. And the same with interviewing people. Like I only interviewed people that I really was interested in talking to and thought I could learn something from, um, which is, yeah. So it was all purely selfish. And so, yeah, so back then it was really easy to do that research and read the IRS documents and sort of like, because I was just developing my own plan. Um, but as you said, now it's not optimizing my my finances and isn't the main goal. It's now optimizing for happiness and for, you know, other non-monetary things, which I, I still write about. So I, that's where a lot of my writings go in these days. Um, and I'm not diving into the IRS documents as much because... Uh, it's, yeah, it's not fun when, when you're, when you're not motivated as, as a, much as I was back then. And you said you're coding more now, so you're creating tools, I take it. So what kind of tools do you have out there? Anything exciting on the horizon? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, back, back when I started Mad Scientist, I also created the Mad Scientist laboratory because I read, um, your money or your life. And in that book, they say, you know, it's a good, it's good to plot, um, you know, your expenses and then, uh, how much your portfolio could sustain spending wise. And then, you know, when those numbers cross, that means that you're fine. And I was like, Oh, that sounds really cool, but I'm not going to get a piece of graph paper and stick it to my wall. Like, you know, this was the book was written in the nineties. Um, and so they suggested, yeah, just drawing it out. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, I'll build a tool to, to allow people to do that. Um, so yeah, so I created the, the Phi lab. Um, and, I've just been adding to that over the years and I'm trying to, I, I just a few weeks ago was making some updates, just some more maintenance things, but I realized how much, how much I'd missed coding. So then I was like, well, I think I'm going to, yeah, maybe take the lab to another level. Um, and I also have the, uh, credit card search tool I built, um, cause I was really into travel hacking and still am. Um, so it's a way to, you know, figure out the best card to get if for different types of miles. So, um, so I know I live in the UK, so BA miles are very valuable to me. Um, so I can go into the app and click BA and it'll show me all the best miles using all the transfer ratios. Cause like chase points transfer at a different ratio to MX points. And some of them don't transfer to all the different airlines. And I just wanted an easy way to be like, I just want BA miles and maybe the BA card's not the best option option for me. Um, so I just want to find the best sign up bonus for BA and that's, that's what I built. So, um, but yeah, so, so the credit card search tool is still out there, but the lab is what I've been working on recently. And that's just to scratch my coding itch really. Cause it's, yeah, it was, a I dove in for a couple of weeks and I was like, wow, I, I didn't realize how much I missed this. So, so yeah, hopefully taking, taking the Phi laboratory to the next level over the next year. 
place. Awesome. So you're one of the fire originals. You've been following this whole thing for almost a decade. How, how have you seen it evolve and where do you think it's going? Yeah. It, well, it exploded in, I guess, what, 2018, something happened and just the mainstream media attention was huge. And, um, and yeah, it just seemed like it exploded into popular culture. And then I've, I've, it seems like maybe over the last two years, it's, it's decreased a little bit in, in, in that sense, I guess, like the mainstream media exposure sense. But, um, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where it goes because I, I, I sort of feel like I haven't been integrated into the whole scene recently because I've been so focused on the music stuff. Um, so I'm not exactly, I don't have my finger on the five pulse as much anymore. I, yeah, I, I put out a post, from, you know, once every three to six months and then I, and then I disappear again. So, um, so I'm not exactly sure where it goes. Um, but it does seem like, uh, yeah, it's, it's not as in the mainstream media culture uh, or mainstream media publications as much. Um, what do you guys think? Cause yeah, you, you guys have your finger on the pulse a bit more than I do. Um, yeah, one, well, one thought I had about fire recently is it's kind of a bandaid to life. And I think it's kind of a reaction to, us living incorrectly, uh, not pursuing happiness, just going whole hog on our jobs. And it seems like that's kind of changed. Uh, now the gig economy is a lot more popular and a lot of people work for shorter time. And uh, uh, like our friends, uh, Stephen Lauren from, what's, what's their blog, Doug? Trip of Lifestyle. Yeah. So what I'm getting at here is I think even if people don't know about fire, they're living a more a happier life and perhaps there's less of a need for it because people are, are figuring shit out. Like I don't need to work uh, till um, whatever I can take six months off and go hike backpack Southeast Asia or, or, or um, yeah. Where yeah, was I going a, with that's that? A, that's a good point yeah. actually. Yeah. Cause I didn't think about how the pandemic, especially would probably, I know talking to a lot of people, it seems like it reset priorities. Like they couldn't believe their lives before COVID were so busy and, full of stuff that they didn't really enjoy doing. And now it gave them a chance to, yeah, just stay at home with the family more or see close friends more and slow down a bit. So yeah, you're probably right. And then, then the great resignation, the great resignation and all that stuff, I guess is, yeah. So maybe, maybe you're right. Society's changing a bit and realizing some of the stuff that fire's been talking about for a, a long time is actually legit, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's very hard to find workers now. And for for a while, everyone was afraid of automation, and there's not going to be any jobs. The robots are going to take them, and now that's kind of turned on its head, at least temporarily. Now we can't find anyone to work. Now it would be pretty freaking good to have robots to make hamburgers or whatever. Mm. Maybe a Tesla bot will come through and rescue us. <laughs> I was uh, I was driving through Moab, and we went past the McDonald's, and they had a thing on the sign. They said. 19 bucks an hour to work at McDonald's. And I did the math. So that's like about 38,000 a year. And I'm like, wow. shit, that's how much I made at my first job after going to college. And <laughs> I had a good job with computers. And I, I know it's been 20 years in inflation and all that, but holy shit. That's crazy. Yeah. Man. And you get to live in, in Moab. Yeah. So it's not bad. <laughs> not bad. And just talking about jobs and stuff, Brandon, do you think you could ever go back to a job? Would you be able to handle that sort of structure? Oh, no, I don't think so. I, yeah, I feel like I'm unhirable at this stage just because, yeah, it, it would be tough to have to answer to somebody again. Um, I, I, I've contemplated it um, 
to learn new skills and things uh, to, but I think I'd maybe volunteer just so I'd have no, I wouldn't have to answer to anybody. Uh, but you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there is a second career in me somewhere if there's something like, yeah, especially if like the, the space stuff gets even more exciting. It's like, maybe, yeah, maybe go back to school for something, uh, yeah, astrophysics or something that would be super interesting to learn, but then could land a, a seat in, uh, in, uh, in, yeah, maybe, uh, SpaceX's mission control for, you know, the Mars mission in 20 years or something that would, so in that's, in that scenario, potentially something it would, they would have to really interest me, but it would be real tough to, to answer to somebody again. Yeah. Just being able to shape your day is so important. Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine it either. And I'm curious, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but when you were working on your album and, and music, it sounded like for almost a, a year, but probably a lifetime, right? But yeah. like, how did you structure your day? Did you have deadlines? Did you need to set up checkpoints along the way? Yeah, absolutely. So that was that was the big that was the big change because like I never believed I could do it. I still don't really believe I did it because I'm like, are they? Yeah, like just just uh, yeah, it was a lifelong struggle because it was something I always wanted to do, and I just felt that. If I tried and failed, then I would lose the dream. So I just never tried. I would just be, it was always tomorrow's goal to do that because today was way too scary to try. Um, but I realized like, uh, yeah, I was already in my late thirties and I was like, yeah, this is weird. Uh, it's, it, it seems like a weird goal to still have. I, I must really want to do it. Um, but I haven't done anything. So, um, so when the pandemic happened, and we were locked inside. I was like, well, I have no excuses now. So this is time to put up or shut up. So I, I didn't do any mad scientist stuff. I was like, I'm going to focus on this completely and see if I can actually do it. And the only thing that I, the only goal of every day was just to put my butt in that chair and sit there and make progress. And some days, yeah, I felt like I wasn't doing anything really productive and other days were better, but I just had to be in that chair and I set myself the target of 25 hours a week, which seemed reasonable, but was actually really tough because like, yeah, when you're doing something that's just like soul destroying, cause you're have no confidence and you're just really sad <laughs> that you're not better. And it's, it's, it's tough to sit there for, for five hours a day, which is what I tried to do. Um, and so that was it. That was, that was the only thing I had to do was sit there for five hours a day. And obviously I had like tasks that I thought would help me get better and learn the skills that I needed to, to actually write the album. But, but really it was just the sit, sit there for five hours a day, 25 hours a week and just do it as long as it takes. And thankfully that worked and slowly like an idea would come up and I'd be like, well, that sounds actually pretty cool. And then I'd develop that. Um, and then, yeah, there was obviously still way really tough times. Like every new thing I had to do was just like this insurmountable mountain to climb. Um, but since I was actually putting in the time, then I actually was making progress. So that was, that was huge for me to, to realize like, okay, it's not magic. It's not, yeah, these, my idols obviously look like they have superpowers, but really, do it long enough and trust your ears. And then it's like, okay, you make, make some progress. 
how important was it to like just focus on that? Because you mentioned you ignored all mad scientist stuff. So how important was it to just ignore it oh, for a little while? It, yeah, that was that was super important because like I don't know about you guys, but when I'm procrastinating, that's like <laughs> that's when I like, when I have something really difficult to do, then all my other non difficult stuff gets done. So it's like it's the most being yeah, procrastinating on something hard is super great for, you know, having the rest of my life in check. Cause it's like, I sit down to do the really hard thing and then it's, I'm like, Oh, that's eh, too hard. So I'm going to actually reply to these emails that I've been putting off. And then I'm going to write this other blog post that I've been putting off. Um, so the fact that I swept all of that away and it's like, no, you're not, none of that's important. You're not doing anything. You're not replying to emails. You're not um, writing new posts or you're not doing any of that. You're just sitting in that chair for five hours a day. That was, that was key to making progress. Did you have a breakthrough in the, the middle of that? You said you, you lack confidence, which surprised me because I've seen your guitar playing. I've seen you play that, that classical guitar oh. piece. And I, I thought you, you were very good, at least with the guitar. I guess I've never heard you play the oh, synthesizer <laughs> except on your, your album. Was there a breakthrough when you thought, okay, this is going to work. I'm actually going to make it. Yeah. So first, yeah, first, uh, since I didn't have the confidence to do something myself, I was like, okay, so let me just think of the style of music. Like I grew up with like really weird experimental indie rock. Cause like I loved just like, um, like math rock and things like that, that, um, sound out of tune and just are really experimental in, in ways and um, like noise rock and things like that. So I really wanted to make sort of that kind of music. So I was like, well, what, what's what's like the type of music that I want to make? And a band I really liked growing up was Sonic Youth. It's a guitar band and they're like uh, noise rock, experimental rock. And I was like, I really like, I, I love the sound of Sonic Youth, but I love synthesizers. So it'd be sort of like a, a combination of that. It's like, uh, yeah, like a synthesizer version of Sonic Youth almost. And I was like, well, I was really struggling to make any progress, but I was like, all right, well, why don't I just cover a Sonic Youth song, but use synthesizers and do it in a way that, you know, I, I want my album to sound. So that was the first step. And that was, that was easier because I, I wasn't constantly judging myself like, Oh, this song sucks. This song sucks. I'm just, I'm going to throw it away. Cause I knew the song was great. Um, it was a song called Tokyo Eye that I really liked. And, uh, I was like, the song's great. So I just need to make it sound great in my own style. And that really was a breakthrough because then I could just listen for the first time instead of just always judging and, and like overanalyzing everything, I could just simply listen and, I was like, oh, that that actually sounds pretty cool. And that's, yeah, that's, uh, oh, that's what I was going for. Oh, sorry. Oh, I, I just pulled the whole thing out. Here, I'll sorry. just hold it like this. We're good. This is good. <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> so, um, are you sure we yeah, can get yeah. that back up? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine because we'll have to unscrew everything. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so that was a huge breakthrough. And then messing around with that ended up leading to just like one little, uh, riff, um, synthesizer riff and i was like oh that sounds cool and then that ended up becoming my first original song um and then from there my confidence grew and it was just it was yeah just putting in the time and like actually allowing those things to happen it i wasn't <laughs> i guess before that i was imagining like a paul mccartney blackbird moment where he just dreams it and then there, there it is the next morning <laughs> which obviously that's never going to happen if you're not 
writing as many songs as Paul McCartney has. Um, so it's, uh, it's actually just trying stuff, listening to it. And, and that was huge. Cause I was like, Oh, it's not magic. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just work and I could definitely put in the work. So that was really motivating. Awesome. Are you ever going to come out with an album dog or? No, I don't think so. Not, not in the plans at all. <laughs> no. Uh, is there anything you would have done differently on your journey to FI financial independence? I'm, I'm thinking of this question was inspired by one of your stories. I think it was the rest, the expensive restaurant in <laughs> Switzerland. Maybe <laughs> is that correct? Am I remembering it right? Yeah. The, the bathroom yeah, incident. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I studied abroad in Scotland and met my now wife halfway through that year. And then we stayed together for six months, but then I had to go back to the States to, uh, graduate or do my senior year. So we had a year apart and I came to meet her. She came over to the States for Thanksgiving. I think I went to Scotland for Christmas and then, yeah, we met in neutral Switzerland in, um, in April or something. And it was the cheapest flight. Like I just looked all over Europe and that was the cheapest flight. And little did I know, Switzerland's a really expensive country. <laughs> so here we were, you know, almost a year into being apart and ha already having two trips that we had done. And yeah, I was a broke college kid. And here we are in Switzerland. We go into this restaurant and they didn't give us tap water to begin with. So, you know, that obviously <laughs> already was already terrible because, you know, three or, three or four euros for a bottle of water that's you know, way smaller than that and and then it was a fondue place and they didn't we just wanted to share fondue but they wouldn't let us <laughs> they wouldn't let us so we had to get a fondue each which were super expensive and i drank our tiny little bottle of water but i was so thirsty because it was just like salty cheese and bread and so this was the yeah the low point of my frugality i kept I didn't tell Jill. I just kept disappearing to the bathroom and I would go and just stick my head under the bathroom <laughs> spigot and just drink as much water as I could and then go back to the nice fancy dinner table. And so that was, yeah, that, that was a low point in my frugality. But uh, if I were to do anything different on my path to financial independence, I would have taken it a bit easier. I wouldn't have been so hardcore about it because um, there, yeah, there was a couple years when I was, like really, really going for it that, you know, we just deprived ourselves of everything and neither of us were happy. And uh, like, I was so f focused on that end goal that, you know, present happiness wasn't even in, in my thoughts and it wasn't, yeah, it, it wasn't a, a good couple of years. So I would have just taken it easier and yeah, it's not a race. It's, uh, you need to, <laughs> you need to learn about yourself on the journey because being able to do anything is really weird once you hit fi and like if you have no idea what you're going to do when you hit that and or you know it, it's tough so yeah i don't i don't think people should race there just a gradual like improvement improvement of your life and a dialing in of your spending that um you know you're optimizing each dollar for your happiness and things like that and that's something that you have to learn over time, I think. So, yeah, I, I would have slowed down. I wouldn't have raced as quickly as I did to get there. And I would have, uh, yeah, learned how to use money to enjoy ourselves a bit more. And what are 
maybe a couple things that are a priority where you're like, I do like to spend money on that. You did mention you love eating and food and drinks and yeah. stuff like that. So you can talk about that or if there's any others too. Yeah, no, that, that, that's the main one. Like, uh, yeah, just, it could, could, it's not like we like fancy meals where it's like a Michelin star. Well, those are fun every once in a while, but yeah, just day to day, like going out and getting, uh, like a nice craft beer at Weldworks or, um, like a nice sandwich somewhere. Those things, yeah, just add to my happiness so much, happiness so much. So, um, so definitely things like that. And, but then also buying quality stuff, I think has been, uh, a huge shift. Um, I would always buy the cheapest thing that get the job done. Whereas now, um, you know, we talked about synthesi synthesizers a lot, like investing in like a nice Moog synthesizer that is probably going to hold its value or increase in value make, makes, makes way more sense than, you know, just getting a, a cheap knockoff thing that's going to probably break in a year. Um, so yeah, things like that, uh, investing in quality, because uh, you get to enjoy the quality the whole time. And then, like I said, you may end up with an investment at the end of the day that you've got to enjoy for a decade or two. Yeah, food is funny. I, I think about that often. We went to a Michelin restaurant once. It was in Chicago. And it was pretty good. But the thought I had while we were there, and I'm kind of trashy. I'll say that before I say this next statement. But I, I was eating this food. I'm like, you know, this is pretty good. But I enjoy Taco Bell like 90% as much <laughs> as this Michelin restaurant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's your go-to order at Taco Bell? You, you talk about it pretty often. I, yeah, I do. I'm pretty excited, Doug, because I just read that they're bringing the Mexican pizza back, and that was always one of my favorites. So, Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I like their breakfast, too. They've got their crunch wrap. They put eggs and bacon in there. I, I don't go there that often. I, I don't want to die early or anything like that. So maybe once a month, but yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, well, that, and that's the thing, and that's, that's the fun part about, like, doing these experiments to spend more. Um, cause we had done this, uh, after hitting five, I ended up working for a couple of years cause I was had a work from home situation before, you know, this pre pandemic, but, um, so it wasn't as widespread, but yeah, I had a work from home situation and I, 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 my, I had a great job. It was a nice, uh, I love coding. Like I said, so I, I just stayed on for a couple of years and we tried to push our spending a bit, um, that year as well. And yeah, you learn these things. You learn that, you know, more vacations aren't always better because a lot of the fun of a vacation is looking forward to it and planning it and really getting to enjoy it, uh, as a contrast to your normal life. But when, you know, we did a round the world trip for three months and like by month three, you know, we, the temple that we were looking at was like, okay, another temple. And, you know, the food we were eating was just normal food now. Cause we we'd been there for so long and, and yeah, you start to realize that, you know, and going out to eat like we that that year we went out to eat a ton but it, it lost the the specialness of it it's I, I think going out to eat on a friday night for a nice dinner or just a normal restaurant meal uh you know is better than going out seven days a week and being like oh geez i feel disgusting because <laughs> this isn't as healthy as my cooking and i'm not actually enjoying the experience as much so and and then to go back to the Michelin star thing, like it's, it's, uh, it's fun to do that every once in a while as a, as a treat and a break away from, you know, whatever normal rest Taco Bell. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of times the, the, the price that you pay is not, uh, yeah, it doesn't cover the, the happiness doesn't exceed yeah, the price because we, we did that too. Um, when we were locked down since Joe couldn't, 
we couldn't do anything for my birthday or anything. She just bought me a nice bottle of wine that we would have never spent that much on. I think it was like 90 pounds or something, which for one bottle of wine, it's like, geez, it better be amazing. And it there's no way it was uh, eight times as good as the normal bottles of wine that we have every once in a while. So then we went back a few months later and we bought uh, like a $50, 50-pound bottle, which is still way more than we would spend. And that wasn't, you know, five times as good as the, the one that we normally have and stuff like that. So, so, yeah, it's fun to test these things. But, yeah, as you've, as you've found with your Michelin meal, you know. <laughs> That extra ten percent of enjoyment over Taco Bell did not uh, was not worth the extra whatever two hundred <laughs> times the amount that you had to spend on it. I think it was more like twenty x, but that's still a lot. Twenty <laughs> x for a ten percent improvement is not worth it. Taco Bell's good; it's pretty good. They do it right. Or that, that's another place, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know their tagline. Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking through our outline here, and we've already answered a lot of these questions in the natural course of conversation. So I'm going to skip down to this one, Doug. And you kind of hinted at this a while ago. I like what you said about how you get closer to FI shouldn't be a big change. You should gradually ramp up to it and change your life accordingly. But what advice do you give to people who don't do that? Like like me and probably you, it was kind of an all or nothing thing. We were super frugal. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a good place. How do you flip the switch and tell yourself that it's okay to actually spend money on something if you think it's going to make you happy. Yeah, that's real tough. It's, I'm sure it's the same with you. Like it's not natural. Um, cause if I can get something for a dollar, why would I spend $2 on it? Um, it, it, it's really tough. And as a lifelong frugal person, it's like deprogramming, you know, 40 years of my natural inclination. Um, so, so yeah, there's been a few things that have helped, like I said, forcing myself to spend more last year, um, or trying to, and I still, like I said, I didn't succeed, but that was, that was huge. And just making me not care about money. The second thing is allowing myself to spend a lot more on things that are investments because that tricks me into like the synthesizer, for example, like a nice smoke synthesizer, that could be 2000 bucks. Um, so spending $2,000 on a musical instrument seems crazy to me. But when I reframe it in my mind, like, well, actually, this is potentially an investment. <laughs> so that's, a, that's been another way I've tricked myself in, into buying something that's maybe a bit more extravagant than I would have otherwise. Um, well, let's see what else because there's, there's been a few things that I've done over the last year that have really um, helped. I talked to Ramit Sethi um, from I Will Teach You To Be Rich and uh, it was that conversation that sort of pushed me into learning how to yeah, try to enjoy the money that we've saved up and not just keep it locked away in the bank for, for the next 40 years. Um, but it's tough. How, how, how about you? Like, uh, cause I, I know we're very similar as far as being naturally frugal. <laughs> yeah. One thing I've realized about myself recently is it's not really about the money. It's about being efficient. And like if I'm efficient in every part of my life, if I have to go somewhere in a car, I think of the best way to get there. And I also think of every other place I might have to go. That's, that's along the way. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about this all the time. So it's not really about money. It's about using money efficiently and not being wasteful with it. Like I can't stand when people throw out food either. That mm -hmm. just drives me nuts. Like, dude, you've got leftovers. They'll, they'll stick it in a box and you can take it home and have okay. it for lunch tomorrow. So if I continue thinking about everything that way, 
So I'll back up a second. One thing I used to do is spend like hours looking looking for hotels and flights. And sometimes I'd even come back like a week later and see if the flight was cheaper. And I don't know what, what I could do about it at that point. But then I realized you're, you might be using money efficiently, but you're not using your time efficiently. So now what I'll do, I'll give myself like 15 minutes to go find the hotel. And it's not going to make that much difference. Like maybe if I would have done a little bit more research, I could have saved like an additional $50, but it's not worth my time. My time is more valuable than spending hours on the internet, looking at all these stupid websites, trying to find the best deal. So um, that's one hack for me, just understanding that your time is super valuable. That's yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, I do the same thing. I, I yeah, check the flight after the fact just to learn if I screwed up and should do it differently the next time. But yeah, old habits die hard. And I have um, one to add in there. And we probably have like anchor points for what we might spend on Supreme Nachos at Taco Bell, for example, <laughs> just random example. And it might be from when we were in college and we were like, you can get a hamburger for 29 cents or whatever. I remember that deal at McDonald's in college. And that's, that, that is the anchor point, but now shit's more expensive and we have more money. You actually can spend a little bit more, even though you like the Taco Bell, <laughs> you can spend more and maybe get uh, like extra guac or <laughs> whatever on there. But the point is we can spend a little bit more. And I guess, I mean, it's the point you're making too, Brandon, where you're like, well, I could get this cheaper synthesizer or a more expensive one. And it's really, it's so hard to do. It's all psychological, but mm -hmm. now you could spend a little bit more and be a little bit happier, save a little time maybe. And it won't make a difference at all to your withdrawal rate or how much money you have in the short term or long term. That was, that's exactly it. So th that was one of the big things that the realizations I had last year was, my, my, my mindset is definitely still 20 year college student. Like I have not, nothing has changed yeah. with my with thoughts to money. And that was a huge exercise for me. So, so to like 10 bucks as a college kid, like, yeah, 10 bucks was worth worrying about. And like, I wouldn't want to get a $10 fine or, you know what I mean? So like 10 bucks, $10 was meaningful. Um, and I still have that same, I still apply that same amount of meaning, meaning to $10 today. So what I did was I calculated based on my net worth in college, how much that $10 is actually worth today for me. So the amount that I cared about $10 as a student is now hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So it's like, wow, here I am, you know, stressing about a $10 expense when really, oh, and then I, I went the other way. So like what that would have been for me as a college student would be like a penny or two or a nickel or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so that really helped my mindset because it was like, okay, I should treat that $10 as, you know, a couple pennies in my head, in my head, not the $10 that I still feel like that is worth to me. Um, so that was really, that was huge for that because then that just frees me up for like, you know, considering a, you know, a hundred dollar, a couple hundred dollar expense, it's like, okay, w would I have stressed about, you know, 10 bucks back in the day or whatever? And yeah, I would have, I would have, you know, th known that, that that was valuable and I wouldn't want to waste it, but I wouldn't have, you know, stressed or thought for 40 minutes to try to like reduce that in any way. So 
So yeah, that, thank you for saying that because that, yeah, that was a huge exercise. Um, after talking to Ramit and trying to like actually internalize some of the stuff that he had said and, uh, yeah. And I still do that today. So it's, uh, I, uh, yeah, would just calculate and be like, okay, this is going to be an extra 500 bucks, but you know, that in the grand scheme of my college brain that, yeah. and that's equivalent to not very much. So. Wow. I, I need to run that calculation. Cause I think I'm still skewed pretty far off. Yeah. What do I, what do you think? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I want to run this calculation too. This would be a good enhancement to the, uh, it, the money, your money calculator, your, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. The file lab. Yeah. 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 That, that is, that's a good point. Yeah. You enter your, uh, where you think your brain is stuck <laughs> as far as money. So mine's 20. And then you would think like, all right, what's like a meaningful amount of money for me? That was $10 back in the day. Like, yeah, if, if we went out to dinner or lunch, like, and it came to $10, I'd be like, that was an expensive lunch. Yep. And then, and then, yeah. And then it'll spit out what that, what that is equivalent to you today. And uh, yeah, maybe, uh, that's, that's a great call. I, I think I will add to that, that to the file laboratory. You can link to this episode for the full explanation. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Where are we at here? What does your daily life look like now? <laughs> yeah. So, so 2020 was all work. 2021 has been all fun. My 2019 was like a balance between the two. And that, that's the ideal. Um, so something I realized after reaching five is that I love routine, which was a big surprise because you had, you told me, you know, I'd have all the freedom in the world to do anything. And here I would be sticking to a really strict routine. I would have said you were crazy, but it's the only way I can really get all the stuff done. I want to get done. So, so yeah, with the pandemic, obviously that's screwed up everything, uh, as far as that was concerned. So, um, so it, ideally it would be, you know, maybe nine months in Scotland and then three months traveling to the States to see my family and, or traveling for, for fun in other places. Um, and then when I'm at home, it's a very strict routine of, um, I'm really productive in the morning and I realize I'm not productive at all in the afternoon. So, so the ideal would be wake up naturally, which I think is still the best part of Phi. <laughs> um, like in, in, in Scotland's very dark in the winter. So, somehow my body just wakes up like eight hours after I went to sleep naturally, like on the dot. So it's like, it'll be pitch black out. And I'm like, I know it's seven Oh five right now. <laughs> and I'll look and it's like literally seven Oh five. So I, I still think that's one of the best parts. So I'd, I'd wake up naturally. Um, I, I know all the productivity people say, don't check your email or don't read news or anything, but I like having just a cup of tea and, uh, getting all that stuff out of my system, like seeing what the emails say and, um, and then, yeah, reading some news or whatever, um, just for a little bit, but then I go and make my cup of coffee and then that's when I sit down and get either music stuff done or, um, maybe Matt find his stuff done if, uh, if I have anything to do or want to do and, uh, you know, do that all morning. Um, I've been doing intermittent fasting more so just because it, I sort of was doing that before I knew that was a thing and it just fits my, I guess, lifestyle and body and it's one less meal to worry about. So, um, work as work as much as I could make some breakfast and then go to the gym back when I was able to go to gyms, um, which I haven't done that either. So, um, and then come back in the afternoon and, you know, get the stuff done that doesn't take too much energy. Cause I'm by then I'm 
tapped out for mental and and motivation and willpower. So, um, you know, do emails and stuff like that. And then have cook a nice dinner with Jill and then maybe watch something on Netflix and then go to bed. I, I had a cutoff of 10 o'clock for screens. And then that made me read a lot more because I was never tired to go to bed at 10. Um, but it would at least make me read more books. So then go read in bed for an hour and then usually in bed by 11. That was, I loved it. I loved it so much. So that was, that was like my pre pandemic routine and then sprinkle in with uh, a few vacations or coming to the States. And then it makes those feel super special. And then I know that, you know, you know, nine out of 12 months of my year, I'm being really healthy and being really active and things like that. And then I can use those other three months to really just have fun and see people and not worry about it. Um, so that was, yeah, that was my perfect routine, which I'm hoping to get back into. We're hoping to buy a house so then I can build a gym, home gym, if, you know, pandemics aren't making it too super uh, exciting to go in, in with a big room of sweaty, panting people. Um, so I'm hoping to get back to that once we, once we buy a house. So that's, that's my ideal uh, early retirement uh, day, I guess. And yeah, I loved it. And I loved the, the routine of it. <laughs> awesome. Have you read the book Liftoff about SpaceX? No. Oh, you should totally read that. It's about, it pretty much covers the first four launches. And even though you know how it ends, it's it's a page turner, man. That's it's, awesome. It's only like 200 pages long. You probably won't want to work for SpaceX or Elon Musk oh, really? if you read the book. But <laughs> it'd be an awesome job if you're like 20 and had absolutely no life whatsoever. No <laughs> life, no girlfriend, nothing like that. Yeah. Other than that, it seems. Uh, All right, well, I'll add, I'll add it to my reading list. Yeah. I got a whole whole list of stuff that I try to get all the all the books because uh, yeah, yeah, that one sounds perfect. Uh, I read his autobiography, or his biography. I think it was. It wasn't his autobiography, um, and that was yeah, fascinating. So, and I know how close they came to failing in those first. Well, they the first three launches blew up right correct and they needed the fourth one to or was it the fifth one they needed to succeed it was the fourth one the fourth one they were just about out of money yeah if that one wouldn't have succeeded so that's a, so yeah I, i'll definitely uh, read that because that sounds right up my alley and for your like work week is about 20 25 hours like kind of ideal for you is that oh yeah but it was for the music stuff um and yeah i, I probably like i said i'm probably only productive in the mornings um i don't yeah every uh, i don't take weekends off or anything it's like my routine i like doing it seven days and that's what i eventually got to i was trying to do five hours a day and that was way too much so i just put the 25 hours up into into the full seven days because i like just doing the same thing every day because i really enjoy my routine so yeah. um so yeah so i but like i said i'm not i'm not really doing anything too productive in the afternoons because i've lost all willpower or motivation so so yeah, I guess I get 25 hours worth of something productive done a week, hopefully, if I'm lucky. <laughs> nice. Are you still working on music? So we haven't had a, I haven't had a studio. So um, we thought we were going to buy a house earlier this year and we haven't found one. So we've been just moving around a lot. So like I said, we were in the States three times this year just because we've been in such limbo. So I was like, well, if we're going to be in limbo, we might as well just be in the States seeing some of my family. Um, so we have, we actually moved out of our long-term Edinburgh rental um, in April and we've just been like Airbnb in it. <laughs> so um, it's been a really disruptive time for getting any sort of music stuff done because all my 
music equipment is in my in-laws attic so (laughs) it probably kills your routine too oh yeah the routine's gone so yeah yeah that's why i'm talking about it so fondly because (laughs) (laughs) i've missed it um so yeah so the first thing we need to do is find a house to buy so we're going going back to scotland uh in the early february and we're hoping that more stuff's going to start coming on the market in the spring obviously so and then yeah straight back into my routine building the studio that's what i just said to jill today we went to michael's studio and i was like we're building this as soon as as soon as we buy a house this is what this is what we're building so that's awesome sure wrap it up last question yeah yeah for uh what activities make you lose track of time coding so that's we were talking about how i missed it um i don't think i even blink because i after after not coding for so long i I stepped away and I was like, I don't, I don't think I blinked or something because my eyes are burning like crazy and like my whole body felt different. So I must've been in the flow state for, for the first time in a while. Um, so that does, um, I guess what I'm getting into the more technical side of the music stuff I do, um, when I'm, yeah, when I'm just like actually mixing or trying to like, um, fix a fix a problem with the sound or something like that. I, I would say I do not so much when I'm writing cause I'm, just, you know, it's just still so hard for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, coding definitely. And that, and like I said, that was a surprise. I was like, wow. I, cause I remember that for my job, I would have those sort of like, yeah, just dry eyes and like, or like, uh, I guess just keep getting closer to the screen cause I'm getting <laughs> so into what I'm trying to fix or solve. Um, so that's, that's probably my main one. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, this has been so awesome, Brandon. Really appreciate you taking the time today. And you're a true pro holding the microphone by hand. <laughs> it's uh, it's a shoddy workmanship around here. So it looks nice, but it no, just it falls good. apart. <laughs> no, it looks great. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very nice setup. This is way more pro- professional than what, uh, what I've been working with for the last <laughs> 10 years. So you guys are doing great. And yeah, no, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for asking me. And um yeah, it's nice to to be on your show after you've done so much on my show, Carl. You and you and Mindy are, uh, yeah, you've co-hosted it, you've hosted it, you've been guests. So uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's an honor to be on your show. So thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. And um, we'll link up for all your stuff. Is there anywhere else that people should check out? You want to plug uh, your album? Where can, where <laughs> yes. can we get that? Yeah, sure. Go to madfinetist.com slash album. And it's, uh, you can find out the information there. Um, because yeah, I've decided to keep these alter egos separate for some reason. So I'll just continue to do that. But yeah, the actual information is all on mattfientist.com slash album. And it's, yeah, it's weird, uh, like, uh, experimental electro pop <laughs> that I loved growing up. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not cool. going to be on the top 40 anytime soon. Cool. Well, we'll check it out. And, uh, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, 
your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. So Brandon, yeah. you said you haven't recorded in a while. So when was the last time you released a show? Oh, geez. Um, I think I released one fairly recently, but it was recorded way back in 2019. Um, <laughs> and then the one before that uh, was an episode that uh, Gory from the Bogleheads, he had he had done something. So I, I actually haven't, yeah, like I uh, actually sat down and recorded a new interview and I can't even remember one. That's been crazy. a long time. So you don't have any kind of regular schedule. It's just whenever you feel it. Yeah, no, not not at all. I think the first year I started, I did maybe like three, and they were like like three to six months apart. And then second year, I think I ramped it up to like five episodes. Or yeah, it's 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 abysmal. I think. Well, it's almost this is ten years, by the way, that I first interviewed Pete. Um, wow. May May of twenty twelve was the was the first interview so that's 10 years and i still think i only have uh 60 episodes or something so so yeah not not very prolific wow that's amazing <laughs> yeah good to see you're not letting it consume your life <laughs> or no. consume any amount of time for no. that matter no definitely not yeah there's uh yeah like i said i can't remember the last time i did like a proper episode where i had to say do you want to come on my show and do an interview so yeah it's been a while <laughs> Very good. And uh, let's see, I just need to make sure you talk a little bit, Carl. So what, what were you guys drinking yesterday? Uh, we went to Weldworks, so we had lots of your favorite, Doug, hazy IPAs. Yeah, and I, I do like hazy IPAs, and I made the mistake of telling Carl, I've I've had enough of these fucking hazy, hazy IPAs. <laughs> like every place, they have like three or four of them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, I got it. Yeah. You guys like hazy IPAs? Like, can you make a clear one too? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. How, how do you feel about the hazies you're in? I'm in. Yeah. So we uh, we lived in Vermont, and oh, yeah. uh, that was I was I wasn't I was never really a big IPA fan up until that point, and then started drinking heady toppers. Uh, yeah, we would go up to Waterbury and get a big crate of them, and and then yeah, I was just obsessed. And then we when we left Vermont, I was yeah super sad to to not have hazies so then once the whole explosion started happening and i could get them over in scotland it was uh very exciting so i'm still i'm still all in uh, and yeah weldworks was great juicy bits yeah very good well that's the original the heavy topper i mean that yeah was the, that was the one that changed everything and yeah. same with cans like I, I feel like they were they must have been one of the first to do those big cans yeah, I think so. And I, I, we were there in 2014 and we're able to get some heady topper. I'm from Atlanta originally. Mm. So we were up there and it was, it was a thing we had to uh, make sure we got. So. Yes. so good. But I've had it since and 
yeah, it's just amazing what the other breweries have done in the meantime. Yeah. Like they just taken it to a whole other level. So it's still good, but yeah, there's there's some nicer stuff out there. Right on. <clears throat> oh, uh, you know, I'm looking at the.